you seated. Will you please uh, take your Bibles and go to the uh, book of Exodus, and we're going to go to the 22nd chapter, and we're going to look at some stuff that is a little bit weird and a little bit disgusting and shocking and uh, stuff that we don't always talk about in church, and we're going to see what we can learn from God's inerrant word, all of it is according to 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means literally that it's God-breathed. And so when you are looking in your Bible, reading it, that's the breath, the Spirit of God. And uh, He speaks to you through His Word. And it goes on to say that it is also profitable. And so sometimes these passages that we skip over, and there may be some that I look at and go, uh, I'm not sure I can handle that. Not sure I'm up to it. But that'll be because of me, not because of God. It'll be because of my inadequacies, not because of the failure of the Word of God. Some of it is uh, difficult to deal with. And so as we look at this, we want to see Christ. We want to see mercy. We want to see grace. But we also want to see holiness because we want our lives to be like Christ. We want our lives to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And so as the Israelites were gathered there at Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments, and then he gives them after that these illustrations, case law we might call them, uh, of how the commandments are supposed to be applied. So we're in Exodus 22, and we are looking beginning at verse 18. So let's read it. And as you read it, ask the Lord to speak to your heart through his word. And this is what God says. You shall not permit a sorceress, a witch, to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not Wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. It's kind of a reap what you sow thing. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender. Um, let's translate that loan shark to him. And you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body, and what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. 
need to put that on Facebook and Twitter, don't I? You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give or dedicate to me, and you shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days you shall, uh, it shall be with its mother, and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. The eighth day, interestingly enough, was also the day for circumcision of those males. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beast in the field. That's roadkill. You shall throw it to the dogs. Okay. Now, what are we going to get out of that? Um, well, be sure whenever your ox has a calf, you know what to do. But um, some of this is the kind of thing to where we look at it and go, what are, we, what are the principles here that we ought to learn as 21st century Christians here in the United States of America? Well, um, uh, Ligon Duncan says that we are accountable to God. That's clear in this passage. And that's true of us as well as it was for them, we are to be concerned for the welfare of our neighbor. It's true then, it's true now, we can apply that. And that holiness before the Lord is a lot more than private piety, it is about public morality. And so, in other words, that last thing says that if you and I are going to be followers of Christ, it's more than just I got Jesus in my heart, and so everything's okay. That may make a good song, and that may be a good bumper sticker, but the truth of the matter is God calls us as Christians who have been forgiven. The price of our sin has been paid for. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so whatever it is that we believe, whatever it is that we sing about, whatever it is we pray about, Whatever it is we say is good or bad or right or wrong, glorifies God or doesn't, whatever that all is and comes together, our doctrine and our faith is supposed to work its way out in the way that we live, in the way that we prioritize our life. It's supposed to make a difference in the public square. It makes a difference in the way that we vote. It makes a difference in the way that we live our lives. It makes a difference in the way that we spend our money. It makes a difference in the way that we talk about other people or talk to other people. And it's just supposed to be on display. Jesus said it like this. Let your light so shine before men so that others will see your good works and then glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I think sometimes today, people think, well, this is just between Jesus and me. You have no right to judge me. You have no right to question me. Who do you think you are anyway? And then they live a life that doesn't bring glory unto the Lord. And they say, well, I'm saved. That's good enough. It doesn't really matter. This is just between Jesus and me. And I think you're seeing here through the case studies that the Lord gives that it's supposed to be much more than that. This is something to be lived. This is something, something to be seen by other people. This is one of the ways we witness. Now, it's not the only way. 
If all you do is witness by living a good life, people would just come to the conclusion you're a nice person. You're a good person. And they might even say, I wish I could be more like you. We want to point them to Christ. The only good in us is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only reason that I understand anything about the Bible is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only reason that I live, however imperfectly, how, the only reason I live any part of the Scripture is because of the grace of God. So all the glory goes to Him, and we've got to be careful to give Him the praise that He deserves. And so, as I was thinking about uh, all of these things that it said, I thought about the points, and I thought about how to take this so that it can bless and edify you and also point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing that I want to say to you that comes out of this, we don't want to read into it, we want to pull truth out of what it says. I think it's obvious here that the Lord is to be supreme in everything and every part of life. What is it that the Lord has against a witch or a sorceress or the occult? Well, if you'll think about it, people that are involved in the occult are trying to do something themselves that overrides the sovereignty and the providence of God. This is what God has chosen. This is what God has decreed. But I think that through an incantation, a spell, talking to the dead, or tarot cards, or an Ouija board, or any of those kind of things, that somehow I can get secret knowledge extra biblical revelation and then I can override all of that you know what being in the occult actually is it's called playing God and that's why it's so dangerous God takes that very personally and very serious well what does it have to do with this thing about having sexual relations with animals I mean who would do that well that was common among the Canaanites that's the land where the Israelis were going to they were going to conquer it and they were going to see this now they'd be disgusted by it I'm sure grossed out by it for the most part but some of those kind of things that we think are just so disgusting after a while they become a little less offensive a little less of an abomination and then we begin to tolerate it and then we begin to accept it and then the next step is participating in it and we think about some of the sins in America that a hundred years ago, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> would have brought the death penalty, and now they're a part of everyday life. Now, some of that may be good because some laws were not good even back then, but some of them are nothing but perversion and sin and they are rottening our country from its foundation and destroying upcoming generations and we have nothing that we can really say or do about it because what is happening is just like God is saying here when somebody says well I think I can do this and I did it and nothing happened what they are doing is again like the sorcerer they are playing God by redefining morality. This is why in Isaiah it says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. 
God takes his word seriously and morality is not something that we can play with. We are not God and we can't define what is good or what is evil and we cannot change what is good and what is evil. And so as the Lord speaks to us out of this, he is saying, don't try to play God. Be careful about all of that. And that's what happens whenever we make an idol and we sacrifice to it or worship any false god or commit our life or our money or our time to anything that doesn't bring glory and honor to God, then what are we doing? We make a god, we bow before that god, and as we do that, what is a god of your own making? Actually, if you are the creator of that god, then you're supreme, aren't you? And all through history, humans like you and me have tried to be supreme over God, to find a way to control everything, to find a way that our will might be done on earth as it is in heaven, so to speak. To be able to say, I did this and I controlled this and God is telling his people, I don't want you to tolerate that and I don't want you to be a manipulator trying to change God or to control God or anything that he has set into motion. Don't corrupt anything and don't have gods that are of your own making. Because this destroys our purpose. What is the purpose of man? The old Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And these three things we've talked about take away from the glory of God and our enjoyment of God and it corrupts that and our purpose becomes satisfying self, doing whatever might please us. And so we've got to be careful about that. The Lord is to reign supreme. Is he in your life? And do you recognize him as such? And do you conform your life to his supremacy. Number two, God says our neighbors are to be treated well. You know, in a day and age where we don't really know our neighbors, and sometimes our neighbors are very difficult to get to know and to meet, isn't it interesting that over and over and over and over in the Word of God, we are told that if we love God, then we must love people. And if we don't love people, it's a sign that we do not really love God. We think about verses that say, if you see a brother in need, and all you do is say, be warmed and filled, and you could meet the need, but you don't, listen to this. How can you say that the love of God dwells in you? When we think about a loving, compassionate God who makes it rain on the just and the unjust, when we think about a God who gives all, lost and saved, air to breathe, beautiful places to live, the blessings of liberty, the blessings of life, all of this comes upon people. And I'm reminded of um, a statement that was made one time from this very pulpit. Be compassionate toward lost people. Because this is the closest to heaven they will ever get outside of Christ. Let that sink in. Anything good that happens 
to a person who is not going to repent of their sins. This is as good as it gets. And everything gets worse at the point of death. Seems to me that we ought to be compassionate. It seems to me that we ought to be involved in good works, charitable works, anything we can do through the church, of course, Mission 405, those types of things are wonderful. Special projects that we do, I think about at the beginning of COVID and then later on, not terribly long ago, when we gave uh, snacks and things like that to uh, medical personnel. Uh, the times when we uh, did the same thing for cops, remember that? And uh, there have been other things that we've done and hurricane relief and all kinds of stuff like that over the years. Those are all good. But to go home then and be ticked off at the person on the other side of the fence, to not care whether they live or die or what's going on in their life, then is violating the Word of God. In fact, as God is speaking here through Moses, you'll notice he talks about sojourners, those would be resident aliens living among the Israelis. And he said, you're not supposed to oppress them. You're not supposed to do wrong to them. You know, if somebody comes from a different culture and they don't understand the way we work and the way we operate, maybe they don't even speak the language and maybe they're not proficient in it. If they do speak it, it's easy to take advantage. Sign here. Everything will be great. I remember I was in... Uh, line at our dorm cafeteria up in Stillwater and there were two guys that were there from Iran and they had no idea what the food was and they were getting ready to put gravy over jello so I said no 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 don't do that and I tried to help them and explain to them what it was and how to eat it how the best way to eat it was you know why I did that because I was thinking about them and thinking about if I were in their country and I had no idea what I was eating, I would sure appreciate it if somebody might help me out a little bit. And when you think about the needs that may come up in your own neighborhood, you think about the times you hear about somebody who has lost a loved one. Do you do anything about that? Do you take them a meal? Do you bake them a cake? Do you... Give them a sympathy card or flowers or anything like that. Those kind of things go a long way. And when you see somebody who is new to the country, somebody who doesn't understand our culture, do you curse them or do you think about their individuals made in the image of God? They have an eternal soul who is going to live forever either in heaven or hell. And it could be that God has brought the mission field to us. And as we have the opportunity to interact with these people, we also have the ability to show kindness, to do good to them, and also to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. But he goes on to tell them, don't mistreat them because you were strangers, in the, you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You know, you reap what you sow. And you ought to learn from your pain. You ought to learn from what has happened to you. And if you were wronged, if you were betrayed, if you were oppressed, that ought to change you. To make you not say, well, I went through it, they can too. 
Maybe it changes you to say, I went through it. It was awful. It was hellish. I don't want anyone else to go through that. And so you do that with the sojourners. But he also says you do that with the widow and the orphan. God has always held the widows and the orphans very close to his heart. And he says, if you mistreat them, because they were the most vulnerable in society back in these days, he said, if they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my, my wrath will burn. Do you believe God is a God of love? Do you believe God is a God of mercy? Do you believe God is a God of grace? Well, you also have to believe he's a God of wrath. And he says here that there are some things that make him angry and he will retaliate. And that's when widows and orphans are mistreated. He goes on to say that if you are going to deal with the poor, that that's not an opportunity to make money. That's not an opportunity to take advantage of them as a loan shark would or somebody else. We're to be different in that. Now, the Bible doesn't say don't lend them money. In fact, several places, it talks about in the book of Proverbs that the people of God are generous and they do lend money. Now, I would uh, suggest if you're going to help somebody, oh, in the church or in your neighborhood, just give it to them if you can because then you don't have to fret and worry about when they're going to pay you back or how much they're going to pay you back. But it is okay to lend money. However, did you notice when we read that, it's not to be something that you profit from. This is different than giving a person a mortgage. This is different than somebody making a car payment or something like that. This is a poor person who needs the money to survive. And the Bible says when you do that, when you lend them that money, do it without charging them any interest. They are, after all, a part of your extended family. These are all Israelites, the children of Abraham, and so he wants them to be treated in a certain way. So even to the point of, did you notice that thing about the cloak? Sometimes it was common that if uh, you gave somebody $10 and they said, I promise I'll pay, pay you back, here, I'll give you my cloak, and uh, kind of like a pawn shop. And so whenever they would pay the money back, they would get their cloak back. And God is so concerned about the well-being of the poor, he said, if you take it, give it back before sundown because they don't have anything else. And they would use their cloak sometimes for their bedding. They would wrap up in it and try to keep warm at night. Now, how are they going to do that? And you don't want to be that type of person because God is concerned about how we treat other people, how we treat our neighbors, widows and orphans, the resident aliens that are uh, in our neighborhoods, all of that kind of stuff. It's loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That's part of the great commandment. Number three, notice that authority is to be respected. You don't revile God. And boy, it, it really is grieving to me how many times God's name is just used as a cuss word, as a byword, and then maybe even worse, without any thought at all. People just spray out the word of God. We need to watch that. We're not to revile God, but then notice something else, nor curse 
a ruler of the people. Now, why would God care about us and the ruler that is over us? Well, according to Romans chapter 13, it's because God put the ruler in place. Joe Biden would not and could not be president of the United States unless God allowed it. Yeah, you got to think about that. And that ought to change the way you talk about him. Now, you may not agree with his policies, and some of them, you've got good reason to be concerned about them, but always conduct yourself in dignity and respect for leaders. And that would be anywhere you find them. Leaders in the home, leaders in the school, leaders in the community, whatever it might be, because all that authority is given by God and we're to be different. In fact, in Acts 23, Paul was on trial and uh, Paul apparently had eye trouble like I do. And uh, whenever the high priest said something to him, I mean, Paul just lashed out and let him have it. And someone says, do you revile the high priest of God? And Paul quotes this verse in Acts chapter 23, verse 5, that you're not to speak evil of a ruler of your people. He apologized, in other words. And fourthly, God is saying in here, generosity is to be displayed in stewardship. You notice all that stuff about, what, what am I doing? I'm giving, dedicating my child to the Lord, but I'm also giving the Lord uh, a calf from an ox. I'm giving him... Uh, the firstborn from my sheep, from my harvest, from uh, my vineyard. I mean, you know what I think when I read those kind of things? Uh, yeah, but what if nothing else comes in? What if I give him the first of my crop and I don't have any left over? Wouldn't it be better to wait until you get the whole crop in till you have all of your livestock giving birth and making sure they survive and then give God something? It's what a lot of people do today. They figure up everything they can do, and then they go, hmm, didn't have any money to give to the Lord this week. It's exactly the opposite of what you're supposed to do. This is a stewardship. It is recognizing by giving that first calf from the ox to the Lord that everything that I have belongs to God. And I'm trusting God to take care of my needs. I'm trusting God to provide what I can't provide for myself. And this is what we mean when we talk about stewardship. It's not my money. It's not my house. It's not my car. It's not my clothes. It all belongs to God. And so I should take care of it appropriately. I should share it with other people when it's appropriate because it's God's. And I should trust God to take care of it and to... Uh, Sometimes you might uh, look and say, oh, Lord, your washing machine's broke. Right? What are you going to do? And he may say, take your checkbook and write a check with some of my money to call a repairman. I mean, you never know. But it's always an acknowledgement that this all belongs to God. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's just always a principle in Scripture. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's not all about what you can get. 
It's God blessing you so that you can actually give more. And so next time uh, you get a raise, and I hope you do, look at it not in what can I get out of this for myself, but look at it in terms of this. How much more can I give? And do appropriately what the Lord puts on your heart. Of course, take care of your own family. The Bible says if you don't provide for those of your own household, you're worse than an infidel and you've denied the faith. Of course you have to do that. But whenever there's extra, whenever there's an ability to give, to help, to minister, it's a part of honoring God and, of course, loving your neighbor. And then fifthly, I struggle with what to do with that last verse. You find an animal that's been torn apart, laying in the field. What are we going to do? Well, there are some cultures that would say, fresh meat, take it. But God doesn't want his children eating roadkill. It's been laying there on the ground. The blood hasn't been properly drained. It's starting to decompose. There may be insects on it. You never know the animal that killed what you found may have had rabies or anything like that. And so God is saying there, don't be tempted to do anything with that. That animal is to be given to the dogs. Dogs were not very popular in Bible times. Dogs were not fluffy little Fido and all of that. Uh, your best friend, your buddy, and those kind of things. And I love dogs, by the way. Dogs back in those days were considered scavengers they ran together in packs they would steal things they would kill livestock they were not looked upon as anything good at all and so God says don't eat it yourself give it to the dogs well as I read about that and read some comments on it the fifth point would be this take care of your body take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit it's uh Written of uh, us by the Apostle Paul, for bodily exercise profiteth little. And so a lot of us just say, oh, well, then I don't have to exercise. God doesn't care. And yet he didn't say don't exercise. He said it profits little. In other words, there is some benefit to it. You ought to take care of your body. You ought to live to eat right and to exercise and to do things that are healthy. Don't eat roadkill would be one of those, right? And he says this because your health has a big impact on your ability to serve God. If you are bedfast in a nursing home as opposed to where you are right now, you ought to thank God for that. That's a gift. And the person in the nursing home that's bedfast, they can't go to your neighborhood and tell people about Jesus, but you can. They can attend church here today and sing the wonderful songs. Don't you appreciate Brother Dale and the songs that he picks out for us? I mean, it's a blessing. They can't do that. When you think about the times when you have the ability to take a meal to somebody and to say, I love you and I'm doing this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. They can't do that. Health matters. And some of us, if we would take better care of the body that God has given us, we would be able to do more for the Lord.
And so all of this fits together, these five things. And I'll wrap it up by saying this. Sometimes when you look at your life and you go, why am I not being blessed? Why is my life not being fruitful? Why is it that things seem to always kind of go the wrong way? Is it sin? Well, let me just say this as your pastor. It could be. It's always a good thing to look at, like the psalmist. Look at my heart, Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me, because my heart will deceive me, but it never deceives God. Now, unlike some of the prosperity, health, and wealth preachers, it's not always because of sin. All sickness is not tied down directly to your sin. But it could be. But it could be. Even the way you take the Lord's Supper. For this cause many are weak and sick among you, and some have fallen asleep. So it's always good to look. If I'm going to look at my life and say, why am I suffering? What is going on here? Well, maybe the first place to start is to take a look at uh, sin in my walk with God. I need to look at my life, my thoughts, my actions, my motives, all of those kind of things. So is the Lord supreme in your life, in everything you do and think and uh, all of that? That could be a problem for you. Are you concerned with the well-being of your neighbor or do you just not really care that much? Live and let live, you say. Well, maybe you need to rethink that. Do you respect your sovereign God by respecting the leaders he puts in office? And it could be that your life has been stymied because you are blaspheming God and you're not glorifying him in the way that you treat those that are in authority over you. Maybe your boss. Maybe it's a husband or a father or could be any number of things. We've got to be under authority in, uh, in order to live as an authority in this world. And then, are you being a good steward of what God has given you? Because he owns it all. Are you grateful for it? Are you satisfied and content with it? The Bible talks a lot about contentment. And then lastly, are you doing your best to be healthy? Lord, I know that I'm not going to die a second sooner than you've ordained. And I know I'm not going to live a second longer than what you've ordained. But I do have a big choice as to how that time will be spent and how mobile I will be, how healthy I will be. And we ought to just not take it for granted, but we ought to actively work that way so that we can give glory unto the Lord. And all of this, of course, points us to the fact that we fail in all of these areas. None of us, none of us have God as supreme as he should be in our lives. None of us are perfect in taking care of our neighbors and being involved in their lives. We have to be awakened to all of that from time to time. And we learn and we see other people. And all of these things, God could bring charges against us that we couldn't answer. God could bring charges against us in these five things we've talked about today. And we would have absolutely no hope. In fact, the psalmist said, Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who could stand? Well, not me and not you. 
And that's why God sent a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus did everything in the law of God, as detailed as it is, and he did it perfectly. And he did it to glorify his Father, and the Father was pleased to take that, what Jesus did, and apply it to us when we repent of our sins, submit to Jesus as Lord, and trust in him alone as the full payment for our sins. Think about all the law of God that you have messed up on, you've broken. Some of it you don't even know. And yet Jesus came to earth to die even for your ignorance and to fulfill the will of God so that you could be accepted by your heavenly Father so that the Spirit of God could dwell in you. Broken and imperfect as you are, the Spirit of God dwells within you and so that one of these days you could see the fulfillment of John 14 in my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you and if I go Jesus said I will come again to receive you unto myself oh what a glorious day that's going to be and it's all because of God's amazing and wonderful grace. But just because we receive the grace of God doesn't mean that we just spurn all of the principles that we learn. We ought to be more motivated than ever to honor Him in everything that we do. Will you pray with me? Father, as we conclude this time, we just simply stop and think and look at how easily that we just bypass things that you command. And maybe they don't directly apply to us. We don't live in ancient Israel. But there are principles we can learn. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is profitable. And so Lord we're going to ask you to please change our attitude. And change it according to what your word says. And we pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you and thank you so much for your time.